0: God may that become real in our life may we not only hear those words but may we believe them and know that it's about us today that your overwhelming love it is a reckless love because it's unconditional and you continue to pursue us and we run and we hide and we live in our shame and just as you said in the garden who told you you were naked we believed it and so now we have to hide and you're saying come to me I don't care Let me see the real you. Be vulnerable and be honest. And let's move forward together. God, what a beautiful picture. Help us to understand it, grasp it, live in it, walk in it. In your name, amen. Grab a seat, my friends. Thank you, worship team. I actually had asked um, Jen when Kendra could lead because... She's been our summer intern, and I said I want her to lead not just, um, I want her to lead not just youth, not that they, I have a problem with the youth, but I said I want her to work on leading other people that aren't youth to help develop her. And so, uh, oh, Ben, where'd Ben go? Can you grab my, somebody grab my chair. I don't, I'll do it. I'll I'll, I'll, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> I'm used to my drummer. Oh, see, that's why I'm not supposed to do it. I'm used to the drummer grabbing it for me. I have been. (laughs) It's been far too long that people have been grabbing my chair. So I asked if uh, Kendra could lead because I wanted her to have that experience. And um, she's not leaving quite yet. i got a couple more weeks with her, and then I'll get to say goodbye to her. I told you last week, it's that time of season where I say goodbye to the people that are going off to college, and then I just hope that they come back someday. (laughs) If you've got your Bible, go ahead and grab it. We're going to look at Isaiah 43 in just a few minutes. I'm in the middle of a series called Navigating Change. And the thing that I keep telling you, there's two things I keep saying. Number one is the only constant, change is the only constant we have in life. And number two is change is hard. Um, Some of the things I've said in the past weeks are it takes effort on our part. It is going to happen whether we want it to or not. But the other thing that I've been consistent with telling you is that your attitude, the way you adapt to change will determine whether or not that change is effective in your life or whether you run. Time and consistency force us to accept it. But if we're going to change the negatives about us, if we're going to change those things in our life that we don't like, that takes effort. And that's where we don't like it. That's where, a well, big reason we don't like change is, it's this unknown. What if it's not better? What if it's worse? However, sometimes our perspective and attitude are what determine whether it's better or worse. Because there's two types of change. There's the type you choose. You choose to go to college, and, and you make a change. You choose to get a job, and it's a better job. You choose to move from one neighborhood to another because it's an upgraded house. Or maybe you're trying to simplify so it's a smaller house that's easier to maintain and keep clean. Maybe you're moving, maybe you're at that stage in life where you're like, well, we've got to start downsizing because we got just too much stuff. And so you make these changes, but they're your choice. doesn't necessarily make it easier, but it's at least your cho- choice to navigate it. And then there's those forced upon you. Illness. Death separation or divorce these things that come into our life that are a forced change that make it really hard to see where god is in the midst of this as i was thinking about doing this and as i've been putting this together i kept going back to god what are you what are you wanting me to to do, why are we going to be talking about this, because I really felt like it was what I was supposed to talk about, but I wasn't sure why, and so as I put it together, we've been two separate churches combined for about three years, I feel like we're one church now, I really do feel like we are, I feel like it took us a while to get there, we saw some rocky roads, we saw people from both congregations who couldn't deal with, adapt to, or want to make the change, and that's just part of life. But now we're three years into this. Next month, it'll be three years into it. And it's funny. Somebody referred to me as the new pastor at their church. Do you you realize I've been here since 2015? I don't know how long I'm the new pastor. I guess until I either die or leave. But four years isn't exactly cutting edge of new. For the people that were in the Des Moines congregation, I've been here six. I'm not exactly brand new. I mean... Let's put it this way. If you've got a six-year-old and you're sending out welcome to your new baby, you know, if your friend has one, it, you're a little late on that. The baby's no longer new. The baby is now in the first or second grade. But somebody referred to me just recently as their new pastor. And I didn't say, I didn't correct them. I just smiled and was like, yep, that's me. I've been here since 2015. I'm the new guy. Um, but people were forced into a change they didn't want to make sometimes. your Things are put upon you. And it's not that you don't like me. It's that you don't like the fact that it's different than what it was. And yet so many things in life, the only way for them to improve and get better is a forced change. But forced change is difficult. Forced change means I'm losing and giving up something. Maybe I'm losing and giving up relationships. Maybe I'm losing and giving up status. Maybe I'm losing and giving up my power, my influence, my control. Maybe I'm losing and giving up things, and I don't even know what I'm giving up. I don't know what's going to be different. I just know it's not going to be the same. So when people tell me they're leaving the church because we're not the same, and I always think, wherever you go, you realize it's not going to be the same as what you're imagining we were before, right? But I don't say it. I just think it in my mind, but it's not going to be the same. And you know what? Life is not going to be the same. Life is going to change whether you want it to or not. You're going to get older. I know some of you, that's a shock. You're like, what? No, I've been 29 for 11 years now. Nothing is different. They say age is just a number. Oh, yeah? Tell that to the guy who's like, go out and race my son sometime when you're my age. (laughs) Age may be just a number, but his number is way faster than my number. There were a lot of years that was not the case. For many years, we would race, and because I'm not that guy who just lets somebody else win, I would win. I might keep it close, but I would still win. I can't even do that anymore. Change happens. And how we deal with it will determine whether or not we're able to continue forward in our relationship with God. Some changes are easy to handle. Um, Maybe we didn't really like what was happening so we're glad. We see a change in, in a politician, a change in the mayor, a change in the city's policy. And we're like, it's about time. Our city wasn't business friendly. Our city wasn't bike friendly. Our city wasn't pedestrian friendly. Our city wasn't whatever. You insert your cause here. And things change, and we go, this is going to be good. And then we find out that our lives don't change nearly as much as we thought they were going to. We may have found a place of contentment But that's not the same as being excited about change. You can just find it, well, I can deal with this. I forgot to dismiss the kids to Sunday school. (laughs) I'm getting, you're supposed to just wave at me. Give my attention. Uh, Students, go ahead and go to your class. I'm sorry about that. Well, she's prepared a lesson, I hate to. (laughs) Sorry about that, guys. But change, it's there, it's in our face, it impacts us. It makes a difference in us. We, uh, we didn't like what was happening, so we're glad there's change. The second reason that sometimes change is easier to handle is it reminds us of something good from our past. Glorify the past when we fear the future or have no f- hope in the future. That's when we tend to glorify the past. Nostalgia can be great, but can also be a deceiver. One of my counselors told me one time, children are great historians but they're terrible at putting history in perspective because they remember this much of the event, but they don't remember why or how. They don't remember why or how, but it was just better then. It was better back when. It was better at when this person was in charge. It was better when I was here. It was better when we lived here. And you forget that there was a reason that you moved from there. There was a reason that you left whatever you left. Sometimes you're called to leave. Here's the thing. I struggle with the idea that we're called to leave. I don't struggle with the idea that we're called to something new and something fresh and something different. When somebody says, God's telling me to leave, really because scripturally, most of the time, at least when I see it, God is calling people to something, but not just to run away because they don't like the way things are anymore. But sometimes, nostalgia can be a deceiver. Some reasons Another reason that some change is easier to handle is it shows promise, for a brighter future. We see what can become. My son's about to go to college. I don't want my son to leave, and yet I raise my kids to grow up, to leave, and to go and impact the world. I love my son. I have a great relationship with him. I enjoy doing things with him. But at the same time, he has to leave to become what God created him to become. It's time for his next season in life. And it's not that one thing is better than another. I've always told my kids, As long as you're contributing to society, if you go out and get your degree and then decide you want to be in the Peace Corps and come home every two years for your four months paid and live at home, that's fine. Because you're doing something to change the world, to impact. But if you want to not have a job and just sit on my couch all day, oh no. And people are like, well, that would be really tough. If they were homeless, I'd be like, oh no, because it's their choice. I don't have a problem with the choices my children make. I don't like or agree with every choice. I learned that early on with my daughter. But she still has the right to choose. And she's going to choose to live how she wants to live. Now, my daughter has made some great choices. But at the same time, that's her choice. And so sometimes we think, oh, no, I've got to put up this wall. I've got to put up this barrier. And I'm not telling you how to parent your children. You decide how to parent your kid because every child is different. And the worst thing you can do is tell that new parent, you know what you need to do? Just shut your mouth. That's what you need to do. Because your kid is different than somebody else's, as is your family, as is your history, as is your origin, and yet at the same time, we want to learn and watch and grow, and so we want a better future for our children. And finally, as I mentioned before, that some change is easy because it's initiated by us. I take a new job because I wanted a new job, not because I lost my job and was forced to find one. I take a new job. That's initiated by me. I'm in control. I'm in the driver's seat. I get to decide what that's going to look like. That can be a promising thing. And yet, if I'm fired and I am forced to find a new job and it takes me a while, or even just laid off because of budgetary reasons, that change can be very uncomfortable because now I Wasn't unhappy at my other job. I was doing a good job at my other job. And now I'm forced. And so, the reason, the same situation, either way it's a new job, but some change is comfortable. Some change is really uncomfortable. Isaiah 43, 16. I told you to turn there. Those of you who did, good job. Starting at verse 16, going through verse 21, it says this. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea and a path through the mighty waters who brings forth the chariot and the horse the army and the power they shall lie down together and shall not rise they are extinguished they are quenched like a wick do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old verse 19 behold i do a new thing now shall spring forth shall you not know it I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people I have formed for myself. They shall declare my praise. All right, so what does that have to do with navigating change? It has this. God puts change in your life because he wants you to have something new and something greater, and sometimes something forces you to do that. And life is filled with disappointments. Life is filled with things that challenge us. And you know what? We're not supposed to remember the former things. That doesn't mean you forget everybody you met after you moved to the new place. But it does mean, stop saying, it was so much better back when. My dad will often get caught up in the, it was so much better back when. And I'll just look at him and remind him, you mean when you didn't have indoor plumbing? Because he never had indoor plumbing growing up. And they'll talk about how great life was on the farm. And I'll remind them, you mean when you did all those chores by hand because you didn't even have electric milking equipment? Well, no, not that part. Well, which part? The part where you didn't have lights at your house, you used all lamps until you were, what, 12 years old? You remember when they added the lights. So post-light, although you still didn't have indoor plumbing, that's when it was better? And I do that to give them a hard time. We have a good relationship. But the truth is, we glorify the past when we don't see any hope for the future. And I'm not saying there's nothing good about the past. What I'm saying is, Scripture says, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. There's a new thing happening. There's a new thing happening in our congregation. I know it. I see it. I'm in the midst of it. I don't know what the long-term outcome is. I don't know the end results because I don't have the entire picture. But what I know is this. God is doing something. And there's been this shaking out in this kind of, the last couple years, we've actually kind of gone down in our average attendance and our finances have been, but what I see is, for a while, I was like, what's going on, God? And a few months back, six, seven months ago, it was in January, I think, I was talking with somebody And they were like, I just feel like God is doing something new here. There's something different. There's something exciting coming. And then I started asking God if that's true, are we prepared for what's next? See, the problem isn't that change is going to happen. I promise you that will. What I want to know is, are we prepared as a congregation, as a community, am I prepared individually for what God is going to do next? Because it's going to take sacrifice on my part. It means I'm going to have to step up and do something. What happens if we get new families? Because right now, we don't have enough people working in kids ministry or in the nursery. So what happens? What happens if we get people who are coming out of addiction or out of recovery? We don't have a recovery group. What happens? What happens? Are we prepared for the changes God wants to make? And I'm not telling you, you have to do more, do more, do more. What I'm saying is, what is God working in your heart now that's saying, hey, it's time for you to step up into something new, or maybe something that you left behind years ago, but it's time to renew that ministry. I ask all the time, or talk all the time, about our pre-service prayer or our Thursday night prayer during the school year. The reason I value that is because it gives opportunity for people to come and be prayed for and to pray over the service. Are you committed to being there once a month? Are you committed to being a person of prayer? So how do I learn to navigate this change when if it's coming, and it is, I don't get overwhelmed by it? Number one, be patient. God is still working, but it takes time. It's the same thing they say about steering a ship. You can steer a ship and you can go any direction in the ocean. You just can't get there fast and you can't turn around quick. The ship takes its time. It meanders. Uh, Four years ago, we went on a cruise to Alaska. If you've never been, I would highly recommend it. I'd recommend it in the next 20 years because they say the glaciers are melting so fast that in 20 years, you won't get to see the awesomeness of them. And we were there and we go to this bay and they turn the ship and this little tiny ship it takes one hour to do a full revolution. And they've got all the engines going. You can hear it. It's so loud, and you're slowly turning, and you're watching glaciers just fall apart. And then you go from one side of the ship, you go to the other side of the ship, and watch the same glaciers fall apart. But it takes an hour to do this little circle so that everybody on the ship has an opportunity to see the glaciers. And it's beautiful, and it's awe-inspiring, and we're taking pictures and mostly pictures of our family with something happening in the background Um, but (laughs) that's mostly what we did but it takes a long time to turn that thing around and that ship when you're in this bay you feel tiny you feel minuscule sure this thing's 933 feet or whatever but this bay is 2 miles across you can see both sides 1.7 miles across actually is what I believe it is and you can see both sides You're this tiny little dot. Change takes patience but know that God is still working. Second way we can effectively navigate change, we seek the good in what's happening. Optimism can change the outcome. Believing the best in other people. As we see change and we see that it's coming, believing that Both God and the leadership of our church want what's best for us as a whole. We may not like every decision, but our attitude and our belief about somebody else can be the difference in whether or not we feel like we're going to push through and press through and go through this together as a community, or whether I'm going to go my own way. Are you speaking life over the newness? Or complaining to others because it will never be the same. Change means things won't be the same. But they could become better. They could become new, which is the promise God has made. Which goes straight into attitude. Your perspective can make a huge difference. Understanding and knowing, even though more people may come in, and it may make the place messy, God can do incredible things in our community. Look at the things in the world around you that you wish would change, whatever your political perspective is, and understand that new people in new life, people coming into relationship with God, can change the course, can change destiny. I talked about Paul last week. Paul, converting to Christianity, changed the very destiny of the early church from being a small sect of Jewish people to being, hey, you guys are all included no matter where you are. Let's Everybody's welcome. Buy in. Take a more active role. Find ways you can be connected to the process. Don't quit what you're doing, but look for new ways to serve. Be flexible. First rule of when we go to Mexico every year, the first rule I tell them, is be flexible. Because no matter what we plan, things will change. And this year was no different. We got there. We're not even unpacked yet. We were supposed to go to the mountains on Sunday morning. And there's a guy sitting there and he goes, we're going to go to the mountains tonight. I was like, oh, no, no, no. It's two-hour drive. You don't want to do that tonight. He goes, you're my ride. Let's go. <laughs> so I was like, all right. Unload everything we don't need to take. Leave your clothes in your sleeping bags. We're headed to the mountains. We get lost on the way, of course, because even our guide doesn't actually know. We have to stop. We make a phone call. We finally pull in at 10 o'clock. Everybody's exhausted. We've been traveling since 7 that morning. I'm like, all right, guys, we can go right to bed. And they're like, oh, good, you're here. We waited to do worship for you. Thank you. (laughs) Why don't you guys lead first? Oh, double thank you. (laughs) All right, guys, gather around. We're going to do worship around a fire. And there we are at 10.45 at night. Three kids, two guitars, a singer. And we start playing worship around the fire. Flexibility doesn't mean things are going to be easier. It means when I'm flexible, I don't break. When I'm rigid, that's when I break. And when I break... I'm not talking about God breaking your heart for something, but I'm talking about I break and then I become angry and I become bitter. And I've seen it time and time and time again in churches, in ministries, in families that when we can't be flexible does it mean I don't stand for anything? No. I still have values. I still stand for something but I've got to be flexible enough that if God wants to change things he's able to change things and he can use me to be a part of that instead of a barrier to what he wants to do. And finally, I can navigate change effectively when I learn to trust God. That's easy to say, but it takes a lifetime to really walk out and work out. Building a strong faith is critical to preparing us for what is next. Because I can't tell you how many people have told me they're mature Christians, but then when things don't go the way they want, they split. There's entire web communities dedicated to what are called exvangelicals because they grew up evangelical and the church didn't do or didn't become what they wanted it to be. Is the church going to let you down? Absolutely. Because it's filled with people who are flawed, sinful, broken people that don't have a clue what they're doing sometimes, and yet we say we love God and so we're going to try to go forward together. Have I made mistakes as a pastor? Yes. Have I fought and struggled? with decisions that I've made, yes. But here's the one thing that I feel I've done right, or one of the things I've done right, is every time somebody tells me they're leaving, I always say, the doors are always open, you can always walk back in, you're always welcome. Because it's not my church, it's God's church. And so they may not like the way I did things, but sometimes they're going to go out there and find out, oh, I don't like the way he does things, but I don't like the way things are happening in the church as a whole I don't like the way this happens or this happens. I have a friend who quit going to church. He doesn't go at all anymore. He's only a couple years older than me. You know why he doesn't go? Because he can't find a church that does hymns. I suggested, try this. I gave him three or four different churches that I thought might do hymns. But he doesn't go because they don't do hymns. I thought, so what you're telling me is you're not going to worship God because the worship music doesn't sound like what you want it to sound like wow, that's a lot about you. That's a lot about one person. I'm not a huge hymn guy. And yet, when I lived one place and we used to do the Sunday night hymn sings, I enjoyed them. I'd go. I'd sing the hymns because it's what I grew up on. But you know what? Most of the music we do now, I like. But you know what? It's not whether or not I like it. I don't even approve the worship list. We have a worship leader who is supposed to lead us in worship. I'm leading the overall church, and I trust them. And sometimes people say, I don't like that song. And my first comment is, well, why? And then my second one is usually, talk to Jen. She's our worship leader. And if Jen likes it, I'm going to trust that she is connecting with God, and I know as a fact she is, because I know that she prays over the worship song. Sometimes she'll send me a new song and say, what do you think? Do you think our congregation is ready for this song? Oh, I don't know. That's going to challenge some people's theology. Because we have people with a varying theology. And sometimes I go, yeah, that's probably a good thing to do. Sometimes I go, I don't know that they're ready for that song yet. People will leave over the worship. People will leave because they don't like how the pastor dresses. I know specifically a pastor who was told... If he didn't start wearing jackets or a tie, his choice, that this family was going to leave. And they were large contributors. But he also said, I can't, if I do that, then I might make somebody else uncomfortable. And you know what I got to do? I got to be me. Now, when I'm asked if I'm speaking somewhere and they say, oh, we want you to wear a jacket, then you know what I do? I dig in my closet, I get my lint brush out because there's dust all over it because I don't do them that often. I lint brush them down, I wear the jacket. Because I don't want to offend, it's my job to not offend. But at the same time, we can't be told and micromanaged about everything we do, because nobody can live like that as a person. Because then you begin to resent the very people you're supposed to serve. And how is that effective? The question is, am I willing to give up my personal pet projects to say, I want to do what's better for the greatest good of the kingdom because sometimes even i have to say uh oh, that's not effective that didn't do what we were hoping it would do that wasn't what i wanted to see in people's lives my goal continually constantly my ever or my never changing desire is to build relationship with the people in this community and some things work and some things don't and sometimes people say, I just can't connect with people in the church. And It breaks my heart, but I, I believe them. I don't think they're lying to me. But at the same time, I always want to go, what's it going to take to help you connect with people in the church? Oftentimes I'll say, did you go to pre-service prayer? Because there's a group in there praying, and you could pray, and then at least you're praying in unity. Or did you do this, or did you do that? But those are just like me coming up with, you know, responses to, oh, I don't like what you're saying. But I want us to be a community that says, everybody's welcome, come in, let's be together, let's build community, because inside community, we know God. And outside of community, it's extremely hard to know God. I'm not saying you can't be a Christian, but I'm saying it's really hard for a believer to be told what to do, or given direction, or even have somebody challenge them if you're not in a relationship. Because if I challenge you and we're not in a relationship, then I'm just threatening you or bullying you or whatever. But if we're in a relationship, even if you don't like what I'm saying, you're at least going to go, well, maybe he's got a point. Let me think about it. Let me pray about it. And I do the same thing. There are people who come and tell me what I should do a lot more often than you think. This job, for some reason, makes everybody else an expert. There's other jobs I've heard that are like that. I've heard teachers say that. Police officers have told me, everybody can do my job better than me. Or at least thinks they can. Probably other professions get that too. I didn't hear what she yelled, but she's yelling out. Her quarterbacks. Everybody can tell them what to do better than they can do it. But you know the truth is, when I'm in relationship with somebody, and they ask me, hey Jeff, have you thought about this? Or they send me an email and say, Jeff, I was praying. Have we thought of doing this as a church? Not go do this, but what are your thoughts on doing this? then suddenly I'm open to receiving what they have because we're in relationship and I'm going to trust that God is speaking to them and maybe speaking to me through them. Now, I don't do everything everybody wants, but that's not what I'm telling you to do either. What I'm saying is, as you navigate change, know that somebody has to be there and you have to allow somebody to speak into your life, even if you don't agree with them all the time or like what they're saying, if you're going to see the results that you want to see. Next week, we're going to talk about um, kind of the difference between believing in God and having faith as our response. So the difference between saying, I believe in God and saying, now what do I do with this? We as a church, we as individuals, what is our response? And um, that's where we're going next week. So I hope that you'll join me next week. The next two weeks, we're going to continue to talk about navigating change and what that's going to look like And then when we get into September, we're going to talk about what is our vision and what is our mission. Because we have it on the wall out there, but do we live it? And what does it look like if we're living it out? Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your love and your grace. I thank you for your continual and constant direction for us. God, as we navigate change, as we understand that change may be coming, as we understand that change is a constant, May our heart reflect that we want you to do something new, that we're excited for something new, and we're prepared for what's next. We thank you, God, for every person who's part of our congregation. God, for those who are struggling for whatever reason today, be a blessing, a comfort, and a peace to them. To those who are lonely today, let them feel your presence. To those who are struggling to, with addiction or to stay sober, give them just peace of heart and peace of mind. For those that are struggling with fear, bring them a sense of safety. God, for those who are struggling with illness, we pray healing. For those who are struggling financially, I pray provision. And I thank you and praise you for what you do in your name. Amen.